Hey, what's up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to episode number 40 of the Spun Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. And this episode is going to be slightly different from, not slightly, pretty much dramatically different because it has nothing to do with writing, really. It has to do with e politics or specifically elections, which is something that I'm into. Uh, I know some people hear politics and uh, elections and just completely tune it out. I get that. Uh, I was like that for a long time also and until it's something that I got into. So if it's something that you think you'd be interested in, I'm just going to break down. It's going to be a short episode going to break down my understanding of specifically the presidential elections that are going on now. I know uh, you must have heard on the news or read on the internet uh, different things about uh, caucuses and primaries and shit like that. And a lot of people don't know what that is. I didn't know what that was. And this is, and it's kind of interesting when you get into like the nuts and bolts of it um, to see like how the election process actually works because you hear things like uh elect- uh electoral college and primaries and general elections and caucuses and uh delegates and super delegates and a whole bunch of like different political terms that uh aren't aren't uh commonplace and um you know you you kind of just goes over your head or you take it for granted or whatever and uh, i just found found it more interesting once i got to know like what those things were in my job no like expert or anything like that um i definitely recommend that you guys you know look into the stuff yourselves but this is just uh, my understanding as i see it and it gives a pretty general overview of what the process is actually like if you're a more visual person uh which i usually am uh, for certain things, uh, I put a bunch of videos, uh, like five or six different videos in uh, the episode notes for you guys to check out. You can check it out on my website at spuntoday.com forward slash podcasts forward slash 40, which is the episode number, or just in the episode notes of you know your your iPhone or, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. All the links are in there also. They're all YouTube videos for the most part, and they do a good job of explaining different things. Uh, that I'm going to cover here in this episode, like caucuses versus primaries, um, a general overview of the uh, election uh, process in the United States, the Electoral College, and like shit like that. So check that out if you're more of a visual person. It's uh, those um, like cartoon-ish or animated uh, explainer videos, uh, which I like, which I'm into. And... um, I put it in there for you guys to check out as well. All right, so let's start breaking this down. So first off, it doesn't work that everybody goes on election day in November to the polls, and by everybody, I mean like the citizens in the in the U.S. that uh, are still allowed to vote, um, unless you're a felon or. Or if you're the wrong skin color down south and they try to uh, get you not to vote. <laughs> but that's a whole other level to, to the game. Um, so it does not work that everyone in November gets to go to the polls and vote. And they, you know, tally up all the 
millions of votes and say the person I got the most uh, is our next president of the United States. It doesn't work that way. That is what that portion of everything is, is known as the popular vote, uh, which you guys, uh, I'm sure I've heard before the term. And if you haven't, well, that's what it is. That's what it's called. It's the popular vote, the vote of the public or the people. Now, the way now, and that's pretty much like the close to the last step in the full election process. Now, also, the election is, uh, like I said, in November, so it's months away. However, the process has already begun. That's why you guys have been seeing it so much in the news lately with all the candidates on the Republican side, which today I believe uh, Carly Fiorina finally threw in the towel. So it's the beginning, at least, to narrow down the field, which normally happens after the the first primaries begin. And I'm going to explain what that is in a second. Um, But you have, I'm pretty sure you've been seeing Trump in the news, Donald Trump, and uh, Ted Cruz, and Marco Rubio, and um, Chris Christie, uh, the governor from Jersey. And um, on the Democratic side, you've seen Hillary Clinton, and uh, Bernie Sanders, feel the burn, and also Martin O'Malley on the Democratic side. Uh, side. It's more of a narrow field. And now just to explain what uh, what is a primary, that term primary, uh, versus a caucus. Primary and caucus pretty much are different versions of the same thing. What a primary and what a caucus is doing is voting out a candidate that will eventually represent the party, either the Democratic or the Republican Party, in the general election. So a primary election and a general election are elections within the party. That's why you see Hillary Clinton debating Bernie Sanders or all the Republican candidates debating each other as opposed to a Republican debating a Democrat because that is what happens in the general election. Whereas in the primary election, it's, all right, let's duke it out amongst ourselves, amongst us team members, if you will, and decide who is the best person for the job and who will represent all of us whether it be uh, us Republicans or us Democrats, uh, to verse the opposing party in the general election. Now, some states have primaries and some states have caucuses. And they vary in style, but the end goal is that. To figure out which candidate is going to uh, be chosen to represent the party. Now, the way it works, this is where it starts getting a little bit, a little hairy. Again, it doesn't work with a popular vote directly. So you have a caucus, which the way it works in Iowa, Iowa is the first, the first state to vote. It's known as the Iowa caucus. And it happened about two weeks ago. And that's why it gets uh, so much attention, uh, not because it's, super significant in terms of of 
I don't know, um, in terms of weight, but it has some significance and it's, it's like the first taste of how the public is, is leaning and is going to vote. And, um, once the Iowa caucus happens and then two weeks later, the New Hampshire primaries, uh, the parties start and the people start, um, getting a bit more polarized and, uh, depending on how like horribly you do, like, let's say like a Carly Fiorina, you decide to drop out and you know, you have no shot after a certain point. And it's not to say that anyone who wins the Iowa caucus or, or, uh, the New Hampshire primary is definitely going to be the eventual candidate, but it kind of just shows where you're, where you stack up at that point in time. And then, you know, you, 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 um, adjust your strategy and or candidacy accordingly or, you know, throwing the towel. So a primary is you more so what you're used to seeing like when you go to the general election and it's a, especially here in New York, you know, it's a closed private ballot. You, you know, walk into a few election cycles. It was a booth where you, you know, walk in, close a uh, curtain, uh, check off on that big metal machine, the, the candidate that you're voting for. And uh, then you turn the big lever from like left to right or right to left. I forget which it is to cast your actual vote, uh, vote your actual vote. And then um, it gets uh, like tallied up within the machine and the vote tallies, you know, literally has like a like a counter in it for that. You, you can't see you see it like when you open up the machine, which I've seen before. Um, and it has like a the let's say President Obama, then a counter. And this particular machine counted 38 votes for President Obama or, you know, whoever candidate, whichever candidate it is. And um, as of more recently, and it, it may not be yet uh, across the board for every single um, voting uh, precinct, uh, but we have now kind of like Scantrons that, you you know, you've kind of, you know, you privately go in like this little cube looking stand uh, like podium looking thing, fill out your little scantron, you know, select all your candidates, then walk over to computer and scan it into the computer and the computer tallies up your vote that way. So we're getting a little more, um, uh, technologically inclined and that's the way it works here in New York now. So that is more, more so what a primary looks like, what a primary election looks like across the board. Then a caucus is more, has Oh, and the, uh, uh, something important to know is the fact that, like, for a primary, just like in the general election, you have, you know, it's open voting all day. So people, you know, go before work or they go after work. And you tend to get a higher voter turnout because you open it up for such a long period of time that people um, become more inclusive in that process. Whereas for caucuses, um, for example, let's use the Iowa caucus, for example, and things vary state to state because everything is is um, ran by each individual state, right? But generally speaking, and using the Iowa caucus as an example, people gather in places like gymnasiums of schools and, um, uh, churches and building. Well, actually, I don't think churches would be, that probably doesn't happen. The whole separation of church and state thing, but, um, you know, town halls and centers and stuff like that, where, you know, groups of people can gather and you literally, have groups of people um trying to sway each other and 
that's what the process of uh, process of caucusing is and you have you know pockets of people throughout the gymnasium for example and you know we're for hillary we're for bernie and people speak and you know politicians visit and people pretty much try to sway each other and they vote that way you know the there's 20 people here so us 20 are voting for you know bernie sanders us 19 are voting for hillary or whatever and um that's how the caucusing aspect works and it's for it's not like an all-day thing it's for has a shorter window and as you see it's more more for like go hard type people that are uh, really into the process and and about it which is cool um but at the same time some people don't care that much and that's why you have less of a voter turnout in those uh situations last difference that i want to point out between uh, caucus and a primary is the fact that different states also have different rules in terms of allowing which uh, voters to allow to vote. For example, you have closed, pri- um, I believe that's the, the right term, closed uh, party uh, elections in primaries here in New York. So, for example, I'm a registered Democrat, so I can only vote in the Democratic primary. Some states don't have it that way. Some states have it that if you're a registered voter, period, you can vote in any of the primaries. So there is a, uh, I don't know which states, but there is a situation where me as a, as a registered Democratic voter in a certain state can vote for the, in the Republican primary, for example. Now there's a big, um, I guess, criticism of that is the fact that, let's say, in a state that, or an area that has a large, uh, you know, Democratic base, let's say, for example, here in New York, if that were possible, if we we were able to vote for, uh, within the Republican um, primary, we could kind of sabotage their election, and a shitload of us uh, Democrats can just go vote for the worst guy that they have to make sure that that person is the nominee and going up against the best guy that we have type of thing. You know what I mean? Like, so fuckery could happen there, I guess, is the reason for, for having it closed versus open. And I'm sure there's, there's, um, reasons for having it open just to be, I guess, more openly democratic. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know the reasoning behind having it open and I don't see why they would want that. But moving on. So that's uh, pretty much the differences, uh, main differences that I see with uh, caucus versus primary. Now, this is where it starts getting hairy. You're not voting. You are, when you are voting in the primary, you're literally filling out the piece of paper, the scansion or whatever for, let's say, either Hillary or Bernie Sanders. However, you're technically not voting for them directly. You're voting for delegates. Now, delegates are people that are assigned to eventually vote for that particular candidate that you chose on your scantron at the national convention for the party so there's a democratic national convention and a republican national convention when we vote in a primary election or in a caucus we are voting for a delegate and the delegate eventually goes to the Democratic and or Republican National Convention, whichever one won. 
um, and ca- is representatively casting your vote for that particular candidate. Now, there are... Um, this is where the numbers get a little bit weird in terms of delegates. Currently, there are expected to be at the National Convention um, for the uh, Republican National Convention, which is going to be in July, as well as the Democratic National Convention. And I'm not sure how they how they get these. This I was trying to find out and I couldn't find it. How they get the actual number of delegates uh, that are assigned to each party. But there are 2,472 approximately. Um, and they're only approximate numbers that I could find that are expected to be delegates for the Republican National Convention for the Republican Party. And on the Democratic side, there are 4,764 delegates that will be attending the Democratic National Convention approximately again. So those 2,472 people which are allotted based on your primary votes and your caucusing votes are going to go vote for the candidates that you voted for essentially. Right. So if, let me see, I'm just reading through a couple notes that I have. So, all right, boom, perfect. In the Iowa national, uh, the Iowa caucus that, that just happened, uh, Bernie Sanders caught up pretty much tied with Hillary. I think uh, 36 uh, delegates apiece or something like that. It was like 0.3% difference or some shit. Something very, very, um, like a very hairline difference between the two. And Bernie wasn't expected to, to do so well, so it's pretty cool to see. And then he just pummeled uh, Hillary in uh, in the by a landslide in the new hampshire primary but that was expected because he he's a senator from vermont which is the neighboring state and you know he has that whole new england area on lock so the uh what was i gonna say the delegates from the iowa the iowa caucus are you know whatever let's say it's 36 and 36 so hillary now has 36 um delegates and i don't have the exact number but let's just say for the sake of arguments 36 i think it's like 36 or 32 and uh bernie has 36 and 32 well now he has a few more um because of uh, new hampshire but sticking just to the iowa numbers so let's say they have 36 apiece so from the 4764 delegates that will be approximately at the democratic national convention 36 of those, which are the ones that Hillary won in Iowa, will be casting a vote for Hillary, and 36 will be casting a vote for Bernie, and, you know, so forth. The rest of the 4,764 delegates will be the ones that are, you know, added up as we go through the rest of this primary and election cycle up until uh, July when we have the actual national uh, conventions, which, again, is when those delegates will vote for the politicians that they are allotted to based on your votes when you voted in the primaries and in the caucuses and like i said there's the iowa caucus new hampshire caucus there's something called super tuesday in march which you guys may have heard of uh that is when 10 states have primaries on the same day and then between now and july all 50 states plus uh, washington dc so 51 uh primaries will happen 
and two of them already happened, being Iowa caucus and uh, the New Hampshire primaries. And again, 10 more in March for Super Tuesday and sprinkled throughout. The rest will be the rest of the states. <clears throat> so you guys with me so far? It's going to be 51. Just a quick little recap again. 51 primaries between now and July. In those primaries, you're going to vote either in a, in a primary or a caucus, depending on how your state uh, has that uh, process set up. And you are technically voting for delegates, delegates which are members of the party that are allotted to the candidate that you chose to vote for. Now, the candidate that comes out from the national convention is going to be the nominee for the general election. But that candidate has to win by more than half of all the delegate votes. So it can't be like a tie after the national um, uh, convention or it can't be like, you know, two, one candidate has 30%, another one has, has like 28 or another one has 28 or whatever, right? They, they have to win by more than 50% of the number of delegates. If not, then negotiations within the party uh, begin to take place. Something else that's very important to note is a term called superdelegates. Now, this is where I don't, uh, I don't know, I don't know how with this I am. Um, I don't know, but at face value, I don't like the idea because at least like with the delegates, and I'm going to get into this a little bit more when when I speak about the next phase of this, this whole thing during the general election with the electoral college and shit like that, the delegates serve as kind of a balance to the people and vice versa. So you can't have just pockets of popular um, areas where people vote more, uh, kind of running like a tyranny on the system, and you know everything. Everyone else has to go by them because uh, you have the like the delegates in, in place to balance that out a bit. And but then you have something called a super delegate, which twenty percent of all the uh, of all the delegates. So twenty percent of that the figures I gave you before of the 2,472 Republican uh, delegates and the 4,700 and change Democratic delegates, 20% of them are called superdelegates. Superdelegates do not have to vote for the people that you allotted them to with your vote. So, like I said, you vote for a delegate and the delegate is supposed to carry your vote to the national convention and vote as you pretty much you told them to right so 10 you know 10 delegates were assigned to uh hillary clinton so those 10 delegates have to go vote for hillary clinton based on how the process works however with the the caveat or the exception that 20 percent of those 10 so two of those people could do whatever the fuck they want they could go vote for someone else and the supposed purpose for this and these are like higher ups within the party. They are old elected officials. Like, for example, uh, President Jimmy Carter, um, Vice President Al Gore, President Bill Clinton, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, State Majority Leader Harry Reid. All these people are super delegates within the uh, are super delegates. So they're people that could have been mayors in the past. They could have been governors in the past and all types of shit. Right. So they're people that are very much so entrenched in the party and the purpose is 
that they want to have that ability so that just in case somebody that's very popular but that they don't feel for whatever reason is a strong candidate and strong enough to win in the general election, they want to be able to change their vote to whoever they feel will have a stronger chance uh, in the general election versus the opponent part uh, opponent. I don't know. I guess there's an argument for that, but I don't know. It feels feels that face value. It feels kind of shady. It feels kind of um, open for scrutiny there and fuckery, and I don't like that. Um, but whatever. It is what it is. And let's see. That's that's pretty much it. So <clears throat> so now. You go through the process of primaries and caucuses, and again, this all began a couple weeks ago, so from January all the way through November, there's shit happening within the election of a president here in the United States during uh, presidential election year. It's not just that one day in November, and that's it. It's shit's happening all along, and like literally beginning, you know, way before January when they start, you know... Um, advertising and 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 um and running basically and running ads and and uh, throwing their hat in the ring and testing the waters and shit like that you know way before even the iowa caucus and having debates and and whatever but the actual uh inclusion or inter not inclusion the actual i guess interaction with the people begins in january and ends with the general election so now between now and July, you get all the primaries and, and caucuses out of the way. And let's say there's a clear uh, winner, which there usually is, after the uh, Democratic and Republican National Conventions, which, again, are going to be this year in July, uh, like the 20s. They're, they're like a week apart, um, one from the other. And it's like July 20-something and... and um, like July in in the teens or something like that for the other one. And there's usually a clear winner. Let's say that happens this time around. And you have your two uh, clear candidates that are going to be running in the general election. That is the moment that you know, okay, now Bernie Sanders is going to be facing Donald Trump for the presidency of the United States. It's a scary fucking thought, but... That's what it's uh, gearing up towards as of now. But obviously all that shit could still change. Now you get to, okay, you know the president of the United States is going to be one of these two people. This is the Republican. This is the Democrat. Now they continue campaigning all throughout uh, the general election, which is in November. And in November, everyone in the public votes. Or every uh, citizen that feels like it votes. And... Again, you're not voting directly for either Donald Trump or Bernie Sanders. You are voting for an electorate, uh, an electorate, or sorry, the you're voting for electors, also known as the electoral college. Now, the number of electors. This is more uh, precise, I guess you can say. You know, it's not like an estimate. Or expected number, uh, like um, the scenario you have above with the delegates. 
Um, this is based on, this is set up, I think, much better and uh, is in actually the Constitution. The the uh, forefathers and drafters of the Constitu- Constitution wrote this in to have an electoral college. And the number was, I guess, quote unquote, finalized as of 1964. We have 538 members of the electoral college now the number 538 comes from the number of members of the house of representatives not that the members of the house of representatives are the electoral college but they mirrored the amount of representatives in congress which is 435 and the number of senators which is 100 so that's 535 plus three more for Washington, D.C. So there's 538. Now, this one I like because it definitely balances the, the... There's arguments for the Electoral College and against the Electoral College. The argument for the Electoral College is the fact that it gives even the little states a voice. So, um, I don't know, states like... Vermont or New Hampshire um, that have a, a small population still have a vote because they can't be completely ignored because they have uh, electoral votes that a president needs to get elected or most likely would need. And uh, whereas the... I fucked that up, actually. I think I, I got a little ahead of myself. The explanation is not going to make sense yet. So... Let me just backtrack a little bit. So you have 538 members of the Electoral College. So you vote and you are, you know, putting in a vote for a specific candidate. And the way it works is that the Electoral College is split amongst the 50 states. And like you saw, Washington, D.C. as well, that has three. And it's based on population, mainly. And the more popular your state or populated your state, the more uh, electoral votes you have. Now, the way it works in the general election is that it's a winner take all in terms of the number of electoral votes that you rack up as a presidential candidate. So Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders are winning different states. And let's say if they win, Bernie Sanders gets 10 electoral votes versus a total of eight Uh, for Trump. Bernie Sanders gets all 18. Whoever wins by the larger margin gets all of the electoral votes for that particular state. Now, this is very important because you need to win the presidency with more than half of all the electoral votes, which means there's 538 um, members of the uh, electoral college. So you need to have 270 plus votes in order to become the president of the United States. And now the, there's a direct correlation, just like with the uh, delegates in the primary and your votes in the, in the caucuses and primaries, there's a direct correlation between your votes in the general election and the, members of the electoral college. So you're voting for a specific candidate, uh, which means that 
you are technically voting for a an electoral and an, a member of the electoral college that will ultimately cast a vote for the candidate that of your choosing based on how many people in the population of your of your state voted for that particular candidate. So let's say 60% of the people in New York vote for uh, uh, Bernie Sanders and 40% of the people in New York vote for Donald Trump. If we had 10 electoral votes, which we don't, we have more, but if we had 10 electoral votes, um, technically six of them would go to Bernie, four of them would go to Trump. And uh, that being the case, the at the since Bernie has more than Trump, all 10 would go to Bernie. So Bernie would have 10 electoral votes, and now he would only need 260 to win the presidency of the United States. So the first one is pretty much like a race to 270. And um, it's never that close except in 2000, which I'll touch on a little bit later. Um, but yeah, that's pretty, pretty much the goal there. So the Electoral College votes in the president of the United States based on the votes that you cast during the general election. And again, the magic number is 270. Now, this is uh, the pros and cons that, that I mentioned before. Some people are against the Electoral College because they feel that a state with a large population will get most of the attention and then the rest of the country has to pretty much deal with whatever the choosing is of those states uh because a state for example like california currently has 55 electoral votes new york has like 29 florida has like 27 ohio has like 20 something um but there are states that have again it's based on population so there's states like Wyoming and North and South Dakota and Alaska, for example, Alaska has one electoral vote. It's like huge, a huge state, but very low in population and has one electoral vote. Um, so candidates might not pay attention too much to states like that. So that's the vote against the electoral college. But I feel that I'm more so for the other, uh, more for it than against it just because of the fact that if it was just a popular vote it would work out the same way in terms of number of people and just get the more people you get to vote for more populated areas you're going to get that type of result whereas with the and then there'll definitely be a tyranny um in terms of of you know uh population um because then the little guy will have zero vote, zero say. Whereas with the electoral college, candidates can't completely, completely ignore the small states. And I'll give you a prime example: um, the situation in uh, 2000 when George W. Bush was running against Al Gore, and Al Gore actually won the popular vote. And this is where it seems a little counterintuitive, but he won the popular vote, but not enough electoral votes because George W. Bush focused on all those little states and stole just enough of the electoral votes to get 270. 
Uh, I think he he wound, wound up with like 271 uh, electoral votes. And that's how he became the president of the United States. However, uh, Al Gore won in the other states with less ele- electoral votes, but by a, ha- a higher margin of popular vote. And he wound up with with like 51% of the popular vote. So it was, it was so it's a hairline thin um, uh, race there, and super rare that something that would happen. I don't I don't know if it's happened ever before then, but that just goes to show that you know. And George Bush won places like Alaska and the North and South Dakota and like stuff like that, um, places like that. So those little states, literally, he won by like one you know a handful of electoral votes. And those states put them over. And, you know, it's not necessarily just Florida, which, you know, you can uh, get into the whole conspiracy of Jeb Bush, uh, his brother being uh, the governor of Florida. And that being the state that had to turn in its last. It was like the last state to turn in its votes and had to wind up going to the Supreme Court for the Supreme Court to count the votes. And there was like delays and fuckery and shit like that going on there. And coincidentally, his brother was the was the governor of the state, and um, those twenty something votes ultimately counted very much for him, and he became the president of the United States, and the rest is history. But there are, for example, states, smaller swing states. Uh, one in particular, I forget which one it is. I think it was West Virginia that I think was like two fucking electoral votes that's normally a swing state al gore ignored it bush um uh campaigned there heavily and won so those two electoral votes made a huge difference you know what i mean so this is the shit that i find interesting um when it when it gets to like nuts and bolts of it and like there's these battleground states which we know as um again swing states is another term that you probably heard where things become like super strategic and, you know, you have states like California and New York that normally vote uh, along uh, Democratic lines. And I guess this is where the whole mentality of, oh, my vote doesn't count anyway, because let's say I'm a Republican in New York and, uh, you know, I vote Republican. The state is going to vote Democrat anyway. So what's the point? I might as well not vote. But I'm kind of against that. Not kind of. I'm against that. I think that it's just like on paper and I guess like in theory, it's 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 your vote doesn't count but at the same time like on a a deeper more like philosophical level it does and you are setting a a dangerous precedent and enough people thinking that way then literally there is no system and the whole shit collapses and um i know it's kind of like a doom and gloom extreme scenario but i don't know i'm just a believer in do what's right even when how do I say it? What you do when nobody's looking, when it quote unquote might not matter, is when it matters, in my opinion. But whatever. Um. So yeah, I think the drafters of the Declaration of Independence were a few uh, smart dudes and got it right in terms of that. Uh, just having an electoral college and um, realizing that it can't just be a popular vote. Now, so just to draw the the comparison again to primaries and and caucuses with uh, delegates, 
and the fact that del- delegates go vote during the national conventions, uh, the same kind of thing happens in the general election. We vote in November, but the actual electoral college does not go cast in the votes, um, which I didn't know this before I started looking into it. Uh, they actually go cast their votes uh, sometime in December. Then after that, Congress officially counts these votes sometime in January, early January. And then that is when everything becomes official, um, which is more like formality, I guess, at that point, because you pretty much know the election results election night uh, in November and um, the way the process is set up to work is that, you know, you vote the electors and the electors are pretty much carrying out your bidding. So we know who they're going to vote for. And um, but whatever, just the, the rest of the formality is that. The Electoral College officially votes in December. Then in January, early January, the Congress officially counts these 538 votes and appoints the President of the United States, which is then sworn in in mid-January of that following year. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. That is how the process works from my understanding of it so you, just a very quick uh recap on the entire thing which is you have primaries and caucuses to select delegates delegates go vote in the national convention uh in july for both parties to choose which candidate is going to represent each party and then during the general election in november uh, the public votes and is voting um, for candidates, but through the Electoral College, which is 538 members that will eventually cast your representative vote in December of that year. And then Congress officially counts those votes in early January and inaugurates the President of the United States in mid January. I hope that helps a little bit. I hope that clarifies at least a couple things for you guys. Anything that I botched up, feel free to reach reach out to me. Let me know and or look into it yourself and fucking then let me know so we could both learn something out of it. Don't just talk shit. And um, yeah, like I said, there are several um, videos in the episode notes, YouTube videos that I found interesting and um, a couple websites as well that uh, explain this in a more visual way. If uh, you're more of a visual person, definitely check those out. And I'm sure we'll speak uh, much more about politics in the months to come as the uh, battleground thins and as uh, there are more debates and primaries and caucuses and so on and so forth. And that's the episode, folks. Episode number 40 of the Spun Today podcast and if you would like to support the podcast, you can do so in several ways. Uh, one thing that you guys can do just to partake in it is check out my questionnaire. It's a five-question questionnaire that I have at spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. And it's pretty much geared towards uh, creative types or anybody that's into anything uh, like writing or painting or drawing or or any, anything artsy, anything artistic, anything anything that you're into, any hobby that you have, uh, check out 
the questionnaire. It's just five questions, pretty much about passion and inspiration and what gets you going uh, that I take the responses of and read them on the podcast. And the idea behind that is that I'll learn something other people might as well. And if you can reach out and touch somebody and like spark inspiration in them and like set that ripple, uh, why not? You know, that's one way for all of us to like kind of sort of come together through this podcast and do that. Another option that I want to extend is for any writers or, or creators uh, that want to be on the actual uh, Spontaneity podcast with me, uh, reach out to me, hit me up uh, through the contact portal of my website at spontaneity.com forward slash contact. Reach out to me. We'll set something up. It could be like, you know, phone, Skype interview or something like that. Uh, that would be cool. You can also check out and purchase prints of some of my photography i like taking pictures of shit sometimes some of it comes out decent and i put it up on the website for free at sponsor.com forward slash photography and you guys uh can you know download the pictures from there for free if you want digital copies but if you want actual physical copies like a canvas or poster or something like that you can order prints through created.com forward slash spun today that's created c-r-a-t-e-d dot com forward slash spun today and all that good stuff also shop on amazon itunes and do so by going through my affiliate link banners uh, located also on my website spun today.com forward slash affiliate links and pretty much the way it works is you go to my website click on the amazon banner It'll take you straight to Amazon's website. Nothing you purchase will cost you anything extra than if you just went to Amazon directly. But Amazon does kick back a few pennies on the dollar for all of your purchases just for driving traffic to their website. So it's a cool way to support the podcast and it does not cost you anything. Another thing that I'm definitely doing a big push for that I want you guys to do is check out my book. I published a book. Uh, you can check it out at forward slash books or just uh, straight on Amazon. And it's called Make Way For You, Tips For Getting Out Of Your Own Way. There's an ebook available as well as a paperback edition. And I would really appreciate if you guys can rate and review it on Amazon. That would be really cool and help get the word out. Uh, just the same way as you guys would rate and review the podcast on iTunes and or Stitcher which I would also appreciate. And one more point on the book, it's actually still free for Kindle Unlimited members. And those of you that have that, I believe you have the option for a couple more weeks and until the uh, Kindle Unlimited option runs out, which is going to be in March of 2016. So, check that out when you guys can you can still download the ebook free uh, like i said rate and review the podcast on itunes and stitcher uh check me out on twitter and on instagram i got my instagram back i remember i told you guys last time i believe that it got hacked and i figured it out uh, so you guys can hit me up there again at spun today on both twitter and on instagram check out the facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash spun today 
subscribe to my newsletter. I want to do something new with the newsletter. Once I get the subscription up, uh, it's going to be, uh, the theme of it is pretty much modeled after Five Bullet Fridays by uh, Tim Ferriss, which puts out a weekly newsletter on Fridays, just of different cool shit, like different music that he's listening to or something new that he bought that he likes or a book or a quote and like shit like that. I'm going to do something similar, but uh, most likely on Mondays. That's what I'm thinking. And I'm thinking of calling it Mondays Don't Have to Suck and uh, just sharing a, a couple cool things, either, you know, a cool video or f- something funny that I saw or something inspirational that I read or or whatever, something like that. So sign up to my newsletter at sponsor.com forward slash newsletter. All you need is your email address, throw it on there and uh, be in touch if you like it. I uh, keep getting them once a week. I'm not going to bombard you with crazy shit. But check it out. You might like it. And what else? The YouTube page. Check out my YouTube channel. Uh, you can get there easiest by going on YouTube, obviously, and uh, just typing out Spun Today. Or uh, go through my website at the footnote of the website. You can click on the YouTube icon and it'll take you to my YouTube page where all of these podcast episodes are located, some of which are embedded with like pictures and different photography and shit like that. And uh, you guys can check that out. And lastly, but not leastly, as always, folks, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening. Thank you.